Welcome to the Mama's Motivational Messages podcast, where women learn to stop putting themselves on the back burner and start paying attention to caring for themselves first so they can be better for everyone else in their lives. I know you'll be inspired by the stories of resiliency and starting over, of health and self-healing, of gaining clarity through journaling, of showing self-love through world travel, and the list goes on. I encourage you to relax and enjoy. I'm your host, Peggy Kirkland, PK. Hi, ladies. How are you doing on the journey to making yourself a priority? Are you a beginner? Still feeling guilty when you do something awesome or just nice for yourself? Are you at the intermediate stage where you still feel a bit of guilt when you put yourself first? Or are you a pro where you're able to put yourself first unapologetically, if not all of the time? at least some of the time. Well, wherever you are in your journey, I'm here to motivate and encourage you to keep pressing on. I promise you that the more you do it, the easier it gets. And best of all, you'll be able to experience the benefits to your mind, body, and spirit. In today's episode, You're going to hear from a woman who knows a thing or two about putting herself first. So I'm delighted to welcome Iceland Hamilton Austin to share some of her life experiences with us. Iceland has been in nursing for 43 years and has been a family nurse practitioner for 21 years, specializing in nearly every area of maternal child care. Iceland is also a 16-year breast cancer survivor who is thriving in her life to the point where she authored and self-published three children's books. She's the mother of two adult children and the grandmother of two-year-old twins. Iceland spends her quiet time writing and reading. That's when she's not at a concert, on the beach, or traveling. Welcome to the show, Iceland. I'm delighted to have you with us today. Thank you, and thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. So let's get started, because I know you have a lot to share with our listeners, and I barely scratched the surface of your accomplishments. So I want to give you an opportunity to share some of your backstory with the audience. You know, tell us a little bit about where you grew up, your educational background, Uh, Was there some pivotal moment in childhood or some other part of your life that got you into nursing? That kind of thing. So um, as you said, my name is Iceland Hamilton Austin. I am a pediatric nurse practitioner, but I actually became a nurse from high school. I went to a high school for health professions and I was a licensed practical nurse when I graduated from high school at um, 18 years old. So I worked as a licensed practical nurse for five years, and then I went back to school and got my two-year RN degree and got married, had my kids, moved to North Carolina, and then I went back to school, and then Tampa, and I went back to school in Tampa to get my bachelor's degree and my master's degree. So I've always worked in maternal child. Um, I think when I first got out of school, I worked in um, 
adult medicine, but always worked in maternal child and children and women are my thing. So I always say that becoming a children's book author was my passion led me to my purpose. Um, and then I uh, got diagnosed with breast cancer in 2006. And that propelled me into starting a, a nonprofit organization that I did fundraisers for breast cancer for about, I think, eight years, six to eight years. And I also started an organization, which I still have that one I'm active with today, called um, Duckling to Deaver, and it's a young woman's empowerment organization. Who did you say died from breast cancer? Uh, my really close friend passed away from breast cancer on um, Mother's Day last year. Oh. Um, she got diagnosed, um, I think when she passed away, it had been four years, so four years before that. And um, she had a, a four-year journey of doing everything to stay alive, but um, she lost that battle. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. That must really have been a bit of a jolt. What is it that makes you so passionate about women and children? I've always liked to be able to encourage women to take care of themselves. Uh, and, you know, a lot of women have children. And I don't know. I've always liked the babies. When I was younger and my brothers and sisters had kids, before I had kids, I was the aunt that took them to puppet shows or the circus. Like I had all those kids and just one little bee because it's just something I've always liked to do. Um, and then, you know, maternal child, I've always liked to encourage women uh, and then help them along the way. So I guess I kind of look at it as me having breast cancer was God's way of continuing that for me because I just stepped right into the role of um, encouraging women with breast cancer to, you know, so most times when people hear they have breast cancer, they feel like, oh, the first thought is I'm going to die. And so the longer I came into my journey of survivorship, I tried to encourage them not to think about it that way. Like if you start with, I'm going to be a thriver and a survivor, that that's actually what's going to happen for you most of the time. Now, you said that you started nursing um, basically in high school because you went to a health professions high school. But how did you how were you so clear in high school that that is what you wanted to do? And you stuck with it for all of these years. I don't really know. I don't know. As far as like, as long as I can ever remember, you know how when you're little and people are like, oh, I want to be a fireman. I want to be able to, I always want to be a nurse. Okay. I'm not even really sure when that first came about. I just can remember being a little girl, taking my doll baby's temperature and wrapping her in a blanket. I just always wanted to be a nurse. Anyone else in your family in the healthcare professions? I have uh, one other aunt who's a nurse, but she became a nurse later on in life. Um, so no, it, just the two of us, no one else's. That's interesting. Your path was laid out for you pretty early, huh? Mm-hmm. And I stuck with it. I did it and I stuck with it. That's awesome. Now, is there a difference between a nurse practitioner and a physician's assistant? Um, nurse practitioners, as far as I can still say, we have a little bit more autonomy than physician's assistants. So like a nurse practitioner is allowed to open her own practice as long as she has a collaborating physician who will, um, as they say, you know, sign off on your charts. I don't... I, Unless they've changed something in the past few years, I don't think PAs can do that. And 
a nurse practitioner, you have to be a nurse in order to be a nurse practitioner. You can't have be a nurse practitioner without a nursing license. PAs can be somebody who's worked at McDonald's and decide they want to be a PA and they just go to PA school and com- complete that. Okay, well, that provides some clarity for me as well, because quite honestly, I didn't know the difference. And I'm sure that for members of the audience, the listening audience who are not in the healthcare professions, I'm sure that's some new information for them as well. Now, you've described yourself not just as a cancer survivor, but a cancer thriver. Can you unpack a little, that for us a little bit? What does yeah. that really mean? How does that show up in your life to be a thriver? So thrivers, in my experience, are people who you don't you don't continue to think that oh, okay, I have breast cancer and I just survived it. You don't just survive it because um, to me, having breast cancer is joining the sorority you never asked to be in. You didn't get a choice. So in order for you to have at least say, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it well, you got to thrive. You have to reach for the stars. You have to think of your life as whatever I ever wanted to do, I'm going to do it. There's no excuses. There was no reasons why you have to thrive for that. So again, that's how I became a children's book author because, you know, in the back of your head, you're always like, one day I want to write a book or one day I'm going to do this. Survivors think oh, I want to do this. Thrivers, do it. Wow, that's said very powerfully with a lot of verve and vigor, as you might say. (laughs) I I could tell that you're living in that experience. How are you paying your own experiences forward to help other women? Um, I am... I won't say unfortunately, but I have become the go-to person in my circle of friends for breast cancer. So when they have anybody that gets diagnosed, they're always like, well, she doesn't care if you call her, you can call her. I'm like the information booth for them. Um, but I also, even like women I have met along the way, if, I, if it's a patient's mom or the, the grandmother, I always try to help them to be their own advocate um, and, and encourage them because it's a hard journey. Like that's a, a road, a long road to go. And it's scary. So I try to make myself available for people. Um, if they just want to cry, if they just want to sit and talk, I have them feel what they feel in the moment without feeling bad about that. Cause you know, women always think they have to take care of everybody, but they don't, we don't take care of ourselves. And so that makes me wonder, I mean, now you provide support to others. How did you get the support you needed when you were going through your situation? I have a very close circle of friends. And like most of my friends live in Tampa and I live in South Carolina now. But if I called them today, it was like, hey, I need you guys to be here. They're all here. So they all made sure I had food. um, If I needed to go to the doctor, whatever, whatever I needed, they were always there for me. So I, I, you know, I had a close knit um, of friends and my family didn't live in Tampa and I didn't want them to have to travel back and forth. So my friends were my family and they still are. I think that's awesome. Um, and so it, it really speaks to the idea of how important it is to have your tribe or yeah. to, to find a tribe if you don't have one and to really nurture those relationships uh, because you just never know when you might need 
that extra support. Would you say that your cancer diagnosis taught you how to make yourself a priority? And was that something you did before? I, I didn't do it as much before as I do it now. And so it absolutely taught me to make myself not just a priority, the priority. Because I always before every if if I had to do something for myself and somebody called me and said, oh, Iceland, um, I need so and so. I'd be like, OK, I put myself on the back burner and I will always do what everybody else needed. But once I had breast cancer, I don't do that anymore. I don't apologize for things I don't want to do. Um, and if I don't want to do it, I just don't do it. I'm sorry if, you know, somebody gets offended or they feel like, well, I asked you to do this and you did it. And I'm like. those days are gone for me. I I don't, I don't put myself behind anyone else again, because, you know, I could leave this earth tomorrow and all you're going to do is find somebody else to do what you need. Wow. So what did your friend's death teach you? Were there some lessons in that experience that also helped to cement your practice of making yourself a priority? My friend's death actually brought that full circle, like slapped me in the face again. Because wow, while tell us it, more. It, it was because while I, oh, I had started practicing, you know, um, I'm going to take care of myself. My friend was, I always say she was the most humble person I ever met in my life. And she gave up her entire life for her husband and her two sons. She was married for 35 years. And she always wanted to go to school to get a degree, um, a business degree. She wanted to travel. There were so many things and dreams she wanted to do, and she never did them. She didn't do any of them. She didn't go to school. She never traveled to one place she wanted to go because she always kept saying, well, her husband, went. he was a professional student. He went to school until he got his PhD. He never asked her not, you know, tell her you can't do this until I'm done. It was her choice. But in choosing that, she spent her whole 55 years on this earth and did not do one thing that she dreamed of doing. And the last conversation I had with her, she said to me, I wanted to go to school. I wanted to get a degree. I wanted to travel and I did not And I ran out of time. And when she said that to me, I made a vow to myself that I would not leave this earth and run out of time from doing things I really wanted to do. Wow. And 55 is still so Yeah, she was young and a beautiful, she was a beautiful soul. And, you know, the lesson to that was her husband, she, she was um, dead for six months and he got remarried to someone he met online and, and three months later they were married. Well, I guess loneliness is quite a force, huh? Yeah, but I, you know, I'm a woman. So for me, I'm like, I was married to you for 35 years and all I get is six months. (laughs) So, I mean, you can look at it both ways. He's a man and he didn't want to be alone, but I don't know. I just felt like she's only been dead six months. You've married for 35 years. Like, you know, that's it. Like, it's okay. You don't want to be alone. You can't, I don't know. Everybody wants to never, and as you said, she dedicated her life to her family. She did doing the things that she wanted to do, always talking about doing it later, doing yeah. it later, uh, you know, and then later never really never came. And so now he has his new wife doing all the things with the new wife that he wanted to 
do with her because his lesson was, I let my first wife put this off and put this off and she never got to do it. I don't want to make that mistake again with the next wife. Oh boy. I don't know how to uh, feel about that, but it's and, not for yeah, me to feel. <laughs> right. It is not for me either, but I feel like a part of me is like, I don't want him to sit there and be lonely and alone. But the other part of me is like, I, I would be lying if I would be saying, you know, I feel some type of way about this other chick being able to enjoy all the things that she didn't get to enjoy when she gave up 35 years of her life to be married to him. In other words, you would have liked to have seen him grieving a little bit longer. Just a little bit. <laughs> Just I feel a little you. bit. I feel you. Yeah. I'm like, can she get a year? Can, she, can her 35 years equal up to a year? I don't know. So wow. that was the catalyst for me. Like, I'm going to live my life and I'm not going to put anything I want to do on hold for anyone. I don't care who you are. So is that your message to the listening audience? Yes. My message is never say that you can't do something. Never say I'm going to wait to do something, figure it out and do it. Like it's doable. If you may have to plan a year or whatever to do it, but I would never give up my dream or never put anything on hold that you want waiting for someone else to do something. You do what you have to do for you. I think that that's such an important message. And it's the message that I try to get across to our listeners with every episode that is published, because I think it's so critical. I watched my own mom um, as I was growing up, always planning to and planning to. But there was always some other need in the home. you know, and, and being, you know, I would say growing up poor, um, as even though I didn't think so at the time and didn't know, so (laughs) really, um, you know, you were always trying to, I watched my parents always trying to make ends meet and my mom with all kinds of dreams and hopes and aspirations Mm -hmm. that never came to fruition. Exactly. I think that's why I feel passionate about helping women to put themselves first, because frankly, I too struggle with that sometimes because it's embedded in me um, from having grown up watching it. So it's a journey that I undertake every day. And sometimes I win and sometimes I don't quite win, but I keep working at it. It's hard though, because when you're, when you're so many things to so many people, like I have my um, kids and then I have my grandkids who think that my house is the playground pit stop there. I remember <laughs> saying, it my, is. Okay. I remember sending my daughter a meme once because I all week long, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait till Saturday. I'm so tired. I'm just going to sleep all day. I'm going to take a dog out for a walk and I'm going to sleep. Then my daughter sends me a text on Friday night. Mama, can you watch the case tomorrow? I sent her a meeting that said, these are my dreams, blown up in smoke, go sleeping all day tomorrow, poof. (laughs) (laughs) What was her response? She just laughed because I was like, that's what you got. (laughs) She just laughed like, okay, mom. Girl. Being a grandma, I mean, but I'm, I'm sure you figured out how to balance that. I try, but, you know, it's hard to say no to the grandkids when they're like, I want to go to Bibi's house. (laughs) (laughs) And it makes you feel good. And the good part is at the end of the period, you can send them back to mom and dad. That's right. 
That's got the beauty that of it. Snacks, bags, and all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, we've talked about Iceland, the healthcare professional. Let's talk about Iceland, the author. You've written three children's books. How did this come about? And where did you find the time to do that with a full-time job? Girl, these books, I wrote a book that I still have not published, which is hysterical. So I wrote this one book called Don't Forget the Parents. And it actually is a compilation of um, questions and things that parents always ask us when they bring their newborns into the office. So I did it from birth to five. It was a labor of love. And I, I finished that book. And then the night I finished the book, I couldn't sleep. And so for whatever reason, because my grandkids called me Mimi. So that day they had been over there and they were like, Mimi, Mimi, Mimi. So I just started writing this book series called Mimi and Me. I, I don't even know. I just wrote, was writing because I couldn't sleep. And I ended up with Mimi and Me, Christmas with Mimi, Party Trading with Mimi, Minding My Manners with Mimi. <laughs> Just all, and I just wrote them. Like I would write them in the middle of the night when I can't sleep, or if I was sitting in my car at lunchtime, I'd write them. I have two more now that I have scribbled things on to do. It, whatever. If if I'm sitting somewhere and a thought comes in my head, I just write them down, and then I I write the little template for them, and I finish them. I like to call those moments when you're not expecting it moments of divine downloads. You know, it's like, I don't know where it came from, but there it was. And I just had to, I had to act, you know. It's funny you should say that because I had, I finished the last book was just, um, got published like two, three weeks ago. And so I was trying to go to- Congratulations. Thank you. I was sleeping. I woke up and in my brain, this title came to me that says, hey, I can read for the next book. So I said, okay, God, I know you just dropped this into my brain, but I'm really tired. So I'm going to write this down and go back to sleep. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) I see you have a close relationship. (laughs) Not tonight. We're not staying up tonight writing this book, but thank you for the thought. (laughs) I love it. I love it. That's how I tend to operate as well. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's awesome. And I believe you have an offer for a few lucky listeners today. Is that correct? And it's correct. So I have the first two books. I have a digital version of the books. They're called flip books. So if they contact me, I will send them a free digital version of both books. Is that anyone who's listening that can send or is that? No, if anybody who's listening, I can send them. Um, and so if they email me their um, email information, or if they email me, I can always I can send it back to them because you just do the digital book as a link, um, and then it comes up. It's a it's a book, and it flips pages. You turn the pages with your computer, and it's a book on digital version. Oh, that's awesome! And what address can they um, contact they, you at? They can send it to me at. Um, Iceland actually do my Gator Mom, Gator Mom, which is G A T O R M O M underscore the number six at hotmail.com. And that information will be in the show notes. So you'll be able to see it and you won't, you don't have to worry about writing it down. You might be driving or something right now. So don't worry. I will make sure you get that information. And that is very generous of you, Iceland. I totally appreciate that. And I thank you on behalf of the listeners. Just tell them to put um, Mama's Motivational Messages in the subject line. And then I'll know what the email, what I need to do with the email. 
That is wonderful. And I'm sure it's going to provide some motivation for anyone who might be thinking about doing this. And they'll see that it can be done. It has been done. And hello, get up. And I self-published all three of them. So you can do it. Say that again. I self-published all three of them. So you can do it. Oh, wow. So that's a whole other area we'll have yeah. to come back and talk about, right? Self-publishing yes. your own books. Oh, yeah. That is great. So Iceland, I hate to say, but we're coming to the end of our interview. Oh, I know. That's the way I feel, too. <sighs> and, you know, as we come to the end, I want to ask you, what is one thing you want to ensure that our listeners remember from this interview? Just remember that life is to be lived. And you need to live it happy, healthy, abundantly, and on your terms. Ah, uh, I second that. That is absolutely wonderful. Iceland, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. You as well. And thank you again for the invite. I really enjoyed this. Thank you. If you've been inspired and encouraged by the positive messages in today's show, please take a moment to rate and review the show on Apple Podcast. This will help to keep the show alive. And remember, sharing is caring. So don't forget to share these gems with friends and family, strangers too if you like. Let them know it's available wherever they listen to their podcasts. I'm counting on you to share the love. Until next time, this is PK, sending you much light and a whole lot of love.